Well, we sit here looking ahead at the year 2022 and what's going to happen. And, you know, if Wall Street climbs a wall of worry, the wall's back up again. We've got monetary policy to worry about. We've got inflation to worry about. We've got COVID to worry about. Lots of worry out there. So what, what does it all come down to? One man I, who I know knows is Dr. Robert A. Dye, chief economist for Comerica Bank. Not at least for the remainder of the month, anyway. And he joins us right now. It's good to have you with us. Well, thank you, David. I'm glad to be here. Well, and so you've got a. Have you? So you're retiring at the end of the month. So you have a yes. one month vision, or can you see the the entire year? <laughs> <laughs> My crystal ball gets a little bit cloudy, but I think in the near term, some of the the issues that. Uh, you talked about are a good place to start then I'm, i might add a few more to that as well well okay well let's start with uh monetary policy um i i don't know that you know it, it seemed to be pretty well laid out is they're going to start you know ratcheting up interest rates and because inflation is not transitory but i don't know that they'd counted on how many hundred thousand people getting sick again well, that's that's the issue for the Fed right now. Is they they're really in a in a tough place between COVID on the one hand, and and trying to deal with inflation on the other. And of course, they try to deal with inflation by raising interest rates, by making money more expensive, and I like to call that tapping on the brakes of the economy. But we've got, in addition to the Fed possibly getting ready to tap on the brakes, we got COVID slamming on the brakes. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to be nearly as bad as the first round. I do not expect to see widespread mandated closures. Let's call this an a more informal uh, drag on the economy than a formalized policy drag on the economy like it was the first time around. But COVID, Omicron is definitely dragging uh, the U.S. and global economy. Well, right and now. it's got to have an impact on productivity. I mean, e- even if the people are only out for a week instead of two weeks, or if everybody's worried about catching it that doesn't have it, uh, you know, this goes back to the supply chain worries and the productivity numbers we had, or worries we had in 21. Well, absolutely. And and for um, parents of school-aged children, they're dealing with the school issue again. For just having the, the services that you need to get to work, that becomes questionable. So, yeah, absolutely, this COVID is a drag on the general economy and certainly a drag on specific parts of the economy like the travel and entertainment industry. This is just hitting, you know, this is just another punch in the nose with a massive uh, number of flights being canceled and cruises and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, the, the hopeful uh, view on this is that it, it, we do see a, a fairly quick peak and then a, uh, and then a substantial uh, uh, reversion or normalization after this, but we're still on the bad side of that right now. We, ha- we haven't seen the peak yet. We had um, the first numbers of 22 that came out on Monday, although these are obviously from 21, but construction spending was a bit weaker than expected. And I don't know. I mean, the manufacturing index came in at a 12-month low. That's not progress. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But just to be fair, the manufacturing, the ISM indexes have been so hot for so long that, you know, when we read that anything above 50 is still positive. It's just not as positive as it was. And so, again, I I do think that the COVID is an issue. Global supply chains are an issue and, and, and will be 
weighing on the economy. And then, and then to add to the the wall of worry that I promised to add to, we've got the uh, the child uh, tax credit uh, potentially or likely going away unless Congress acts. So that's fiscal drag. There we have the uh, confusion and chaos around the Biden administration's social spending program, which uh, we I, I think was a reasonable assumption that that would at least a big part of that would have been in place already. This so is the to, Build Back Better program. Yes. So we have to discount that a little bit. Uh, we have international conditions also. Uh, China looking like they're starting to uh, uh, show slower economic growth. Europe uh, is questionable right now. So there's you know, if you, if you want to find things to worry about, there's absolutely no shortage. Now let's flip to the positive, though. There's a huge amount of pent-up demand out there. I mean, the reason why we're having all these supply chain problems is because people want stuff. They want to buy stuff. Interest rates are still low, even though we're talking about Fed tightening. And even though we're talking about the uncertainties on the fiscal side, there's still that wall of money that was injected into the economy last year. That, And I think some of that still washes over into this year in terms of its impact on spending. So there's a lot to be... Uh, uh, optimistic about, but there's so many uncertainties right now, and the range of possibilities is just extraordinary. I, I like to tell people that I, I want to forecast current quarter GDP within a half a percent, next quarter within one percent, second quarter down the road within two <laughs> percent. Throw that out. I mean, we're, we're going to be lucky if we hit the broad side of a barn with our forecast this year. How I'd always learned in, in my economic courses that, that once you saw inflation, that it was too late to do anything about it, that you had to move swiftly and you had to move early. Well, uh, there, there's so many ways to look at this. And, and, and to, to be frank about it, I, I think inflation theory is the weakest part of macroeconomics. And, and we, we simply don't have a good framework for sort of plugging in a bunch of numbers and coming up with an inflation forecast. What we do know about inflation, that parts of it are sticky and parts of it are not. And, and the commodity prices, we've seen big spikes and we've seen them come back down and then go back up. So not sticky at all there. They can come down very quickly. Other parts of inflation, rents, the wage, pri- uh, the wage part of it, uh, any kind of annual contracts, of course, do not get renegotiated on a dime. So parts of it are sticky. And so I, I think we're going to be feeling this push from inflation for quite some time. I think the I think the the volume, if you think of inflation as a wave, we're at the high point of that wave right now. And it's going to tend to dissipate going forward, but it's still there. It's not like the wave disappears. We're just coming down off of it right now. Well, but that, that, that that's encouraging. I'll, I'll take that as a as a glass half full. What mm-hmm. what are the what are the great you you have a national and indeed an international view, but because of Comerica, because working for Comerica, I know you you always are forced to make special pay special attention to different sectors of the country the michigan area texas Mm -hmm. arizona california so looking at those areas are we all pretty much in the same boat some areas doing better than others well some are definitely doing better than others the texas economy continues to do pretty well i mean uh, the the issue on a regional basis is is every region has a different industrial mix and 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 so with texas we want to see what's going on with the energy sector 
And, and that's been a big question mark. A lot of volatility on energy prices there. Uh, and the travel industry here in North Texas with both uh, American uh, Airlines and Southwest Airlines being headquartered here, lots of employees there. When we look to Michigan, uh, the auto industry is, is central to that economy and auto sales at the end of last year have, were at recessionary levels, you know, 13 million units. We ought to be at 19, we could see a 20 million unit month. But that goes uh, back to the supply and demand issue. Yes, exactly. The demand is there. They just can't get the autos. Now, to me, that's an encouraging sign because I think that pent up demand is going to be there for a while. If, if you have an old automobile and you couldn't replace it last year, you still have to replace it. And it's even older now. So you've got a lot of pent up demand that wants to be satisfied. We have a very good thing. We have perhaps healthy, uh, healthy fear of being victims of our own prosperity in Texas. We've had all this in migration. We're seeing what's happening to, to home prices. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and I, we seem to be inflating very rapidly. You know, at some point, we sh- my guess is we're not as attractive for in-migration. And at some point, it's just tough on those of us who've been here for a while. Well, you know, I, I am concerned about this because you're right. This in-migration story, the massive influx, particularly from California, other high-price areas, is not going to go on forever. It never does. And there have been other cities and, and parts of the country that have been darlings for a while. Boston was a darling. Atlanta was a darling. You know, Dallas, Fort Worth, North Texas has been a darling. Nashville. And, and so these things tend to go in, in cycles and one of the things that you can observe is that you get these massive influxes and, and then um, and then the infrastructure doesn't keep up. And I sort of call that the Atlanta problem because that's exactly what happened to Atlanta uh, in, in the 80s and 90s. Lots of growth, but they didn't really keep up. And then the area became less desirable. You can't drive anyplace. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's the that's the worst thing. Well, look, uh, you've had you've had a had a great run here and uh you're hanging it up at the end of the month, and but you've got somebody to fall back on. You're an artist, right? Yes, yes, and and I've been uh, uh, we've been working on this new house, and this beautiful new studio space, and I've been teaching again, and I have a show up now, and and so I've got I've got lots to do here over the next year or so. Robert Dye, the the, the Renaissance man, <laughs> clearly. Look, uh, enjoy uh, enjoy it right up until the 28th and, and think about us, will you? Right. In the past. Oh, thank you, David. Thank you very much for the time. And Happy New Year. And to you, Dr. Robert A. Dye, Chief Economist for Comerica Bank, our guest today for more of our conversation. Go to krld.com slash CEO. I'm David Johnson, News Radio 1080 KRLD.